All right. Hey, Brendan, thanks for, uh, thanks for doing the show, man. I appreciate no it. Uh, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about uh, what you do and, uh, and, and all that stuff. <clears throat> uh, well, my name is Brandon Roth. I'm from uh, Northwest BC. I work as a uh, diamond drill mechanic. And then on my time off, I just hunt. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, you, you spend some time in the field, man. Like if you look at your Instagram, like you, you must be working family and then yeah, it's hard to juggle it all but that's that's strictly it yeah i got a pretty good wife and yeah bet. and she lets me get away with getting out in the mountains quite often <laughs> that's hard to find <laughs> yeah, isn't it yeah yeah for sure so you had uh last season you looks like you were in the you mountain goat hunting and uh and all that good stuff yeah we <clears throat> i had a buddy come over from alberta i hosted him he came to uh, bc here and took him out and got in his first mountain goat. That was pretty sweet. I, I only actually started yeah. hunting like fairly late. Like I think I was 27 when I first started hunting. I'm 34 now. And, uh, it's, I've oh, yeah? just been trying to make up for lost time, I guess. <laughs> a, a lot of guys I find are, are picking up hunting now in like in the later age, like in their thirties and stuff mm -hmm. like that, that didn't really hunt back in the day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like my, <clears throat> It's uh, me. my opa and stuff. He he always moose hunted with me growing up, but then uh, yeah, we moved away, and my parents never never got into it, and um, I ended up relocating after high school and stuff. And then a couple of buddies of mine just convinced me to get my pal and get my core, and I just hit the ground running and was like instantly addicted. <laughs> yeah. That that's how it happens to a lot of people. Hey, like they get they get brought into it with their buddies, and then all of a sudden they get bit by that yeah, bug, dude. and then that's it from there yeah. on out. It's uh, yeah, it becomes an obsession after <laughs> yeah, that, right? Hundred <laughs> percent. But you, you've certainly made for for somebody who started pretty late. You've certainly made like leaps and strides in it because you're uh, you're a brand lead now for Scree Canada. I am, yeah, right? I've been with Scree for two years. Um, great company, and I. Uh, I saw them putting out like applications for brand ambassadors and stuff a couple of years ago. And I was like, Hey, why not? And, uh, yeah, I, yep. I came on board and, and it's been great. They've been good to me and, and, uh, I've been able to make connections with other people, other hunters across Canada, like, just like you, you, you saw my screen stuff and here we are now having a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. And like the, the, the hunting industry is certainly like a lot different than it used to be. Like it used to be like, I don't want to say anything bad about the old timers, but they, they really didn't want to like share in the whole hunting thing. You know what I mean? They were kind of pretty standoffish, but now I find younger guys are much more open to like help each other out. And I've met some of the, the best guys I've ever met on like through Instagram. Yeah, honestly. And, and hunted with those guys and all that yeah, stuff. Right. It's so yeah, it's, it's great. It's so right? easy to like yeah, just reach out to somebody and, and ask a question or, or opinions on stuff. And, and like, I'm sure you'll still get the odd yeah. guy who doesn't want to talk about things, but I, <clears throat> I didn't have much help getting into hunting. Like buddies convinced me to do it. Yeah. But then I always ended up hunting by myself or stuff like that. Cause we just couldn't get the time off together. And I just crushed a buttload of YouTube videos and kind of just taught myself how to do things and and it's good, but there's a hand. Yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to line up with your buddies. Eh? Yeah, especially for like mountain hunting, especially because yeah. it's like, hey, I'm going here for ten days or a week at a time. Not everyone can get that that chunk of time off and stuff like that. But yeah, because when you're when you're hitting the mountains for like when you're mountain goat hunting, like uh, so that what you like mm -hmm. last year, I mean, how many days did you spend in the mountains before you tagged it? <laughs> to be honest, like it's it's such a crazy story and it happened so fast. Like buddy, Nathan, who came with me, he's an ambassador for Scree as well. And we chatted for those two years just on Instagram or Facebook, never talked on the phone, not once. And, uh, he was like, I'd love to do mountain goat hunt. I'm like, well, come to BC then. And then like three months later, he flew here. Uh, first time ever meeting him, first time ever talking to him. And then the next day, we went up the mountain and shot a goat. Like it happened on the first day. And then 
so, so you had never talked to him like in, in on the phone or anything, Nothing. just through text message <laughs> or Instagram. It. And you guys went up and, and shot him out and go together like in, yeah. in a day. That's think that's yeah, syncing it, up, right? It, like mo, mo, yeah, that's a hard yeah, task to do. Yeah, everyone like it's it's sometimes harder to find a hunting partner than it is to find a wife. And but me and him just clicked right away, and it was it was perfect. <laughs> he flew to BC. Yeah, that, you know what? There might be some truth <laughs> yeah. to that. Especially for there, there very yeah, well might especially be for mountain stuff too, because like um, <clears throat> where you want to go and how you want to do things and and stuff like that. It can be guys have their own opinions on how to want to yeah. they want to do stuff. But me and him, it just worked out perfectly. Of course. Mm. Yeah, and you got you got to trust the guy when you're going in the mountains oh. with him. Like you, you know what I mean? Like you got to know that like he's got your back if anything goes yeah. wrong because there's a array of things that can go south. You, skin out something wrong and and poke yourself like it can it can go bad pretty quick Ooh. you got to be careful what you're doing even just hiking up yeah. stuff that's yeah. steep and just shale rock like you got to be aware of what's going on <laughs> yeah i was uh i was checking out uh some of your your instagram pictures of like what some of the backcountry you've been in like some of that man if you take the wrong step like you can be in some hot water oh, in a hurry percent the, I, I find like the, the August September stuff is it's not too shabby, but once you start doing the winter things like winter goat hunting, it can be pretty Tetris. If you're not, if you don't know what you're doing, you're not aware of like avalanche shoots and and stuff that can slough out right. from under you while you're snowshoeing up ridges and stuff like that. It it can be pretty pretty gnarly, but yeah, stuff that's living under that snow that's not <clears throat> you know really sure footing or anything like that yeah, either, like all that stuff comes there was one it, right? spot we were going up um in i think it was december maybe january it might have been january but uh it's a super narrow little ridge but under underneath all the snow was just like bushes and shrubs so as you're walking on the snow you just see everything kind of like packed down but the ridge you're on is only four feet wide so you, oh. you take a couple steps and then you'd see like the whole side of the ridge kind of it's like okay i'm gonna go to this side a little more <laughs> kind of work your way but... <laughs> yeah I bet. yeah with yeah that's uh that's a hairy experience yeah, but with it? nathan man it yeah it, it clicked right yeah. away and it was good like he flew flew to bc landed at like 7 30 <clears throat> we had a six hour drive stayed at this little lodge kind of thing mm -hmm. and then uh the next day i think he shot the goat it's around like 5 30 or something like that the next day and what 5 30 uh yeah. p.m so like was wasn't even twenty four wow, wow. hours. So walk me through, you guys. It's <laughs> wow. So you walk me through. You're you're in. You're up in the mountains now. It's day one. You've spotted the goat. You're going after it. Yeah. Like what happened? So we we had to take a boat. We did like fourteen k on a boat to get to just a certain spot that I wanted to hike up. And uh, it was actually only like four kilometers, but it was three thousand feet elevation, so it's fairly steep. And then there was just deadfall everywhere. So the whole way up, we were like, every 10 feet, we were crawling under trees or climbing over trees. <laughs> so it was just drew, like grueling getting up there. We, get, we bust over top of this the first ridge, and instantly Nathan's like, hey, I see a goat over there. It's the first goat he's ever seen in his life. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's, there's a goat there. Let's go check it out. So we had to actually drop – we had to lose elevation and then go back up again because he was on this little ridge over top of this little knoll <clears throat> so we get to the little grassy knoll spot the goat he's bedded it's about 1200 yards so we just we just sat on him and uh tried to age and made sure it was a billy and not a nanny and then he ended up getting out and feeding towards us and uh like i told nathan like it was a good goat it wasn't ginormous or anything like that by any means but um right his motto was don't pass up something that you would shoot on the last day or whatever. Right. So, and it, it fed right to us. I think it got to like 240 yards and, uh, it was yeah. in a beautiful spot and yeah, you, you lay the smack down on it and, and, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, so we had hands on it at around, I think it was like seven thirty. <clears throat> so we caped it out, quartered, quartered oh, it all, okay. put it in game bags, but there was this nice big snowy patch. So we dug holes in the snow laid down rocks and put the meat inside the snow and then piled rocks on top of it. So then the next nice. <clears throat> back, cause we had uh, wherever we glass from, we just emptied our packs 
to get over to the goat so we didn't have to carry right you just drop it all yeah you're hiking around with 70 pounds on you like it's you don't want to carry more than you need a lot of weight in the mountains (laughs) so we yeah for sure went over the next morning quartered it all or uh, deboned it all put it back in the bags put it back in the in the uh, snow pile and then we went and hiked we did like a 15 kilometer day that day went and found a buttload more goats but no billies and then uh, uh then we spotted some sheep glassed up some sheep then came back to camp <clears throat> and it was super hot it was like 35 degrees 34 degrees the whole time we were up there so it was, oh, wow. it was just no cooking kidding. and we didn't want to spoil spoil yeah. any of the meat we didn't want to lose his cape and stuff like that so <clears throat> the next day we ended up hiking out yes yeah, so you're gonna yeah you had a book yeah out so day. we ended up hiking out and yeah it was still like hot as heck so we had all our food and everything still and then packing the goat on top of that so we were coming out like like 115 120 pounds or something like that that's a lot of weight it's- man that's a ton. That's a ton of weight to carry. <laughs> it's, it's not too bad once you go Holy for a cow. little bit but... <laughs> in the mountains, man. Yeah, mm. that's insane. Um, so what what is the the rule when it comes to shooting mountain goats out uh, out in BC? So, are you allowed to shoot nannies, or did like do they like Alaska where they ask you not to? They ask you not if you can. Yeah, or like is they it... ask you not to shoot nannies okay. in BC, but it's not like you're allowed to. Mm. You are, and there's the odd time like. Okay. One will trick you or it'll be, but like billies generally are by themselves unless they're rutting and they start rutting around November. <coughs> so, right. So they're like basically any other large game animal. Basically the, the males are off on their yeah, own until they start rutting, but unless it's yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. Um, so you are allowed to shoot a nanny, but if it has like kids around it, you're not allowed obviously, or if it's in a big group, and there's like several nannies and some kids you don't know which is which, so you're not allowed to shoot a nanny at that point either. But mm-hmm. right, right, because you don't know who's the who's the mom of exactly. Whatever. But that you don't want to um, shoot a nanny because they do help with like <clears throat> bringing the herd to like their winter range and feeding grounds for the winter and stuff like that. They help with migration, and so generally you don't you don't want to shoot right because they kind of lead yeah, the herd, right? right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. How do you tell, I know, I know it's pretty difficult to tell uh, a nanny from uh, a male. It's what's the, what are your telltales? Like, what do you go to, to try and identify as best as possible? Like an old Billy will have more of like a, a horse face on it. Like it'll be wider and more brute looking, mm-hmm. but the horns is, is what you mostly look for. Like a nanny would be really hooked where a Billy will be more curved. And sometimes they trick you. It's really hard to mm-hmm. tell. But when it's early August into early September, their fur is super short. So you, if they get up, you can see, like, okay. you might be able to see gender, which is what we did see on that Billy when it was coming mm-hmm. towards us. Like we could see that we could see oh, his gender like easily. <clears throat> or if you can see if how, yeah. how they pee, because the billies will just stretch forward and the nannies will squat. That's a good telltale sign as well. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. So once you hit them, like, October, November, December, they start to fill out and they get really, their hair gets really long and it's harder to see gender that way. So you have to go off like their mannerisms, what they're doing, horns and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and if you, if you want to hunt, like, let's say you're at a province and you want to go after a, after a mountain goat, what you obviously need a guide. Kind of like, so basically I'm not a registered guide or nothing like that. But you can host a person from out of province. They have to be within Canada. They can't be out of Canada. Um, the application has okay. to be approved. And you have to put down certain areas that you're allowed to hunt. You're only allowed to hurt, hunt certain regions. And then uh, if you get through okay. that application process and you get approved, you get 21 days. You can select in the hunting season that the guy's allowed to come and hunt. And it has to be consecutive. They're not allowed to come for a week leave for a month, come back for a week. It has to be within that three-week window. Oh. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Got, to, okay, so they have to, if they want to hunt that that three weeks, they have to be there for the whole thing. They can be there for less. They just can't leave and come back. Yeah, yeah, you can't break yeah. it off. Like, once you're there, you're there. You only get one trip, one shot at that's it, right. and that's it. Yeah. Wow. 
that's it's you know that's a lot better system than most provinces have for out of province hunters like i know uh, i'm from newfoundland originally but i live in ontario mm-hmm. right now and if you want to go back to like let's say hunt moose in newfoundland uh you can't host somebody you have to buy your tags from yeah. a guide who gets their tags from outfitter which is going to cost you i mean you're you're seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars by the time it's all said and done right they just i mean that's a ton of money to to go chase yeah. a moose right <laughs> Do you guys have moose in Ontario yeah. or anything, or is it just strictly kind of deer? We do, but it's it's not an easy tag to get. Like it is, like British Columbia and Newfoundland have the two largest moose populations. I think you guys are number one. Newfoundland is number two. You have a population of about uh, two hundred thousand. Mm. Uh, in Newfoundland, we have about one hundred eighty thousand. Mm. So we can draw tags back in Newfoundland uh, every second year. Okay, which is pretty crazy but here from what i understand most guys are five to seven years between tags which is that's That's a long long time time. i don't know what it is for you guys how hard is it to get a set of tags for you guys over the counter tags for moose so there's a lot of areas you can go and just buy a tag and go hunt moose yeah um some spots it's like any bowl other spots it's um they got to have like three on the brow or ten on the time or there's like a spike fork one. Oh, okay. So like the... two or one. But um, right, for our right. lottery system, like our LEH stuff, <clears throat> um, you just buy a tag. It's like $6 and you get put into the system and you may or may not draw it. It's kind of just a lottery system. But I I know guys that have gotten right. it like 10 years in a row kind of thing. And <clears throat> other people have never gotten it for 10 years. I my streak was four years for moose. That's crazy. We got four, a tag four years in a row. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So is it is it the same like if an out of province guy wanted to come hunt moose? Is it the same sort of thing as a as a a, a mountain goat or is it a little different? I process? don't know. I don't think they're allowed to hunt moose. I'm not entirely sure, but I think they're not allowed to hunt caribou, mm. sheep, or moose. I might be wrong on the moose part, but okay. Um, they're allowed to come and hunt goats yeah. and like black bears and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So moose, you would probably have to end up going through like a guide yeah. service. I of, might, and paying I might be double, wrong on that, bill. but I'd have to double check just cause I haven't mm-hmm. done that process. I've only done the mountain goat one. He, he might be allowed right, to right. do the moose, but I know for sheep for sure out of province, so, you can't. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's not that hard to to come out and hunt mountain goat out in BC then. If as long as you've got a guy that's willing to host you and and all that stuff and you fill the application out, it's yeah. pretty, pretty straightforward. Eh? Like for Nathan's application, usually the guy like calls both parties and talks to them a little bit. That never even happened. It just went through the process and like a month later it was approved. So some people it's a little more. Wow, that's awesome. Some people man. get called and they got to ask a bunch of questions because they want to make sure you're not like charging someone, right? Like. <clears throat> And it's there's supposed to be no money exchange. Okay, they're trying to make sure you're not making a business out of yeah, it without that's right. trying yeah. to guide without being a guide. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'm sure I'm sure it's happened a dozen oh, I, times. I'd imagine so for sure. Yeah, for but. sure. Uh, so you're now a brand lead mm-hmm. with Scree, and uh, you were how long were you an ambassador with them before you you kind of moved up to a uh, brand lead? Close to two years. Um, we were talking for the last couple of months about becoming a brand leader. It just took a little bit of time because there was some contract stuff we had to go through and, and they're super busy. They've just been swamped over there for sure. But yeah, they've, they've grown uh, a great deal in a short amount of time. time. Like they, they've become pretty popular. Yeah. Well, like the, uh, pretty much kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. Right? And they're like, using a lot of like their marketing tactics, like they do sponsored ads on everything, social media for them, right? Like they have their brand leaders and ambassadors and it helps right. grow the company like crazy. And that's why we're important to them. So they help us out a lot. Um, they don't, they had like some kiosk things they put in storefronts, but you, and a couple pieces of gear you could check out, but they don't have any storefront stuff. It's all online. Okay. It's all through social media. It's pretty, pretty good at how they're growing that way. But yeah, no kid. So they kind of run like uh, kind of similar what First Light does. Like First Light's not in, in any retail stores really. They're they're more so online or from yeah. their 
their headquarters store in, uh, I guess Idaho is it or something like that. I think they're based out of yeah, Montana. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, yeah, so they, they no plans to go in retail stores or do you think they might one day um, take a step? I'm not into... sure. Like maybe, but right now what they're doing is they do have the kiosks in some spots. Um, and now they're just jumping on a bunch of trade shows. So there's, <clears throat> um, I think they're doing like eight trade shows in the next four months. They're trying to show the public the gear versus you having to try to order it to see it and try it on. But they have right, a really right. good system yeah. in place. Like if you ordered something and it ended up being the wrong size, they email you a new shipping label and you send it back for free. They send you the new size for free. And even if that doesn't fit, they'll, they'll do it again, 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 until you have the right size. So they, they offer that VIP. Yeah. I was reading it. Yeah. I was reading their policies. It's, it's real good. Yeah. Like if, if it doesn't fit, you could just ship it back and forth until you guys figure out whatever yeah. is, whatever fits, yeah. whatever works. And, and that's it. For all of it. That's amazing. That's good customer service. Yeah. And it's, it, they're that's very amazing. quick too. They're in Saskatchewan. Um, like I get my stuff usually, oh, right yeah, in the middle. I usually get my stuff like two, three days. And, uh, if I have like something that doesn't fit, that bad. they just send me a new one right away. And... That's awesome, yeah. man. Wow. And, so, and you've used their gear and it, you, it's great. eh? top shelf. Uh, like, so like, I guess I'm a little biased cause I never ran first light or QU or Sitka. I never ran any of those. Right. Um, I've hunted with guys wearing Sitka and NQ and stuff like that. And they've checked out my stuff and like, they've liked it. <clears throat> they don't have it cause they already have all their own yep. gear. But, uh, for me, like, I, cause I started hunting late, right? Like I bought like a bunch of Walmart stuff and Canadian tire mm. camo or whatever, but <laughs> like, like everybody yeah. starts out right with the Canadian tire stuff, the hunt yeah, shield dude, stuff. That's what I use for moose hunting and it's yeah. great for like when you're on the quad, it's super mm. warm. I still have it, but, um, it, uh, the yep. scree stuff I've been super impressed with, really happy with, and I've been beating the crap out of it for two years now. Mm. Yeah. Super tough quality stuff i find the uh once you start going from like the canadian tire brand stuff like the hunt shield area uh into like the more expensive stuff it's you're not really getting warmer you're getting the same amount of warmth but lighter, lighter weight yeah. gear it just it takes out the weight of the gear and but keeps the warmth yeah. factor like i used which I used is, to run that that's what you're yeah, paying 100 like i used to run the hunt shield uh yeah. bibs and the like a big jacket that was like yep. the four in one jackets or something like super super heavy i had that exact <laughs> yeah, jacket. super super heavy yeah but now i have yeah. like the scree puffy ptarmigan jacket and pants and they both of them weigh less than a pound each and they're just as warm or yeah. if not warmer than my hunt shield stuff but they weigh nothing so bo both of those pieces of gear weigh this less than the bibs from hundred oh, percent yeah basically you know yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure it's i and the, it, that hunt shield stuff is it, like us don't get me wrong it's great stuff if you're starting out at, like a, a new mm. hunter there's nothing wrong no, with that not gear at all. i just i wouldn't want to hike anywhere in the mountains no. with it because <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna take the good idea you know yeah. in a hurry it's yeah it's way too uh, heavy for sure way too heavy and like the, yeah. the ptarmigan Do stuff that has a stuff sack like it it stuffs down to like this big like it's tiny so for backpacking, you just put it in your oh, it compresses yeah, down. They both come with a compression sack, and it's just yeah, like it's so small. It's the size of like a Nalgene bottle, basically. And same with the rain gear; it all weighs less than a pound each, and it's that's super, super convenient. Tiny. Yeah, yeah, that's super mm -hmm. convenient, man. To be able to pack a puffy to keep warm that you can just throw on underneath something is it's such a lifesaver, man. When you're out like in the middle of nowhere, oh, yeah. just trying to get something yeah. done. Yeah, it's those down puffies do a lot of work for not a yeah, lot of weight for sure. I think if for for the down uh, ones, you just don't want to get them wet. Reverse synthetic, synthetic dries out a lot faster. But if you, I always wear it under my jacket for sure, yeah, under rain gear if if it's raining. But. Yeah, just to keep yeah. it dry, right, and then it does its yeah, job exactly. quite well. What's your like if you're going to your pack? What's your favorite piece of gear? that you're taking with you almost every time? Uh, man, that's a hard question. <laughs> that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. uh, like just scree gear or anything in my pack? 
out of your screen. Out line. of my screen line, it'd probably it'd probably be the puffy. I think. Yeah, yeah. the puffy jacket. It's it's so Yeah, I think that's all like that's the go to yeah, for everything, like, right? I would not go anywhere without a yeah. puffy jacket. No. You'd yeah. have to have it. Um <clears throat> so if you were if like let's say let's say a guy is is getting ready to to upgrade his kit now and he's going to go and he's going to buy two pieces of scree gear just to start his his mm-hmm. system out what two pieces would you recommend that would kind of cover him for let's say late mid-season hunt you know something that's warm but not not overly warm not for those extreme mm-hmm. colds what what i started with was the hard scrabble jacket and pants <clears throat> and I would wear that like when we when I went with Nathan, I wore my hard scrabble pants and it's like 34 degrees out. But then I've been wearing it last February and it's minus 30. And I'm wearing those pants. I just layer underneath them for when it was cold. Wow. Um, and same with the jacket, right. like I would layer underneath if I was on the quad or not hiking, if I was just sitting. But that's the first set of gear that I started out with. Super universal from yeah. spring bear early season and even into late season if you have some stuff to layer underneath like a base layer that's what i that's what i would start with yeah it's not too heavy and it, it's not too so light. the hard scrabble yeah. stuff right kind of does it all it's mm-hmm. like covers all your bases for the most part as long as you can layer under it and, and all that yeah stuff, like if you got some long johns if it's getting too cold like i wore Last time we went goat hunting, I wore the hard scrabble jacket pants with no long johns or nothing. And it was minus 14 when we left the truck. And I hiked with that, no problem, super warm all the way up the mountain. Um, and then when we were up top, it ended up being minus 28. And then I put my puffy gear underneath. <laughs> Ooh. That's, chi- that's yeah. chilly. <clears throat> and it was minus windy as all heck. And just cold and we're trying to glass up goats and but the you throw the puffy gear underneath and you're instantly warm mm. yeah that's usually where the problem starts right is when, once you get once you're hiked in because you stay pretty warm when you're on the move it's when you start glassing mm. it becomes the problem mm. right once you sit and stop because you're sitting still for yeah. so long and, and just yeah yeah as soon as you stop yeah it's a hard go we uh i had to upgrade sorry yeah Oh. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, as soon as you stop and there's wind or you get wet is when, yeah, you get cold. But I I run fairly hard. Oh, yeah, if you get wet, you're in. Like a um, buddy of mine, he, he'll, he's he yeah. got street gear as well, and he will he was wearing base layers all the way up and just hard scrabble. And then, uh, like, I don't wear any base layers at all most of the time. But he, I just run really hot. Right. Where he, he's a little colder, but. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same. I, I don't really get very cold very often. Like I run pretty mm-hmm. warm, so I don't really need a lot of layers all up until, you know, once you stop and, and, and the temperatures drop a little bit because you're not moving or whatever, and then it becomes a little bit chilly. But for the most part, I can wear pretty light gear and, and get away with it yeah. pretty uh, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had to upgrade it, uh, or I'm going to upgrade some of my uh, stuff this year because so this year was my, or sorry, last year was my first year hunting whitetail because we don't have deer in Newfoundland. Uh, so the mistake was late season, it got real cold in the tree stand, right? Because I'm so used to spotting and stocking moose, you don't really stop moving, right? And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a walker, like I, I don't really stop yeah. much, you know what I mean? I'm a chronic mm-hmm. walker. Uh, so being in a tree stand was real new for me. And when you're not moving, you're like, all right, well, it's only, it's eight degrees outside, but when it's eight degrees and you're sitting there for six hours, eight degrees is not really that warm anymore, right? Like it's, you're like, oh, okay. All right, I guess this this long sleeve shirt is not going to do the job here. We Blood's get, not pumping anymore. You know? You're starting to get cold. <laughs> yeah, things are, yeah, things stop moving, right? And you're like, oh my God. And you're just trying to tighten up muscles just to stay warm and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah, so I'm going to, I'm either going to go, uh, I don't know. I might go to some Sitka gear. I might go, I might check out some Scree gear because I like some of the stuff you guys have there. I know the new Guardian stuff that you have, it looks that's real good stuff. Uh, and super <clears throat> yeah. warm. Yeah. Yeah. That's like for your tree stand hunter, 100%. right? That's going to be out late December. Yeah. You're yeah. not, you're yeah. not hiking I think in that's, that. Stuff. Uh, I might check some of not that. Not hiking out. in that. But like if you're, 
No, you probably <laughs> probably want to. If you're uh, riding sleds and stuff, you probably want to carry that to yeah, the tree. Yeah, <laughs> I don't own any of the Guardian stuff, but yeah. Um, Otherwise, you're gonna start. Yeah, sweating. buddy in Alberta, he he has it. and He really likes it. He uses it for sitting or tree stands and stuff. It's pretty warm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. Uh, so you're uh, you're a member of uh, uh, the Mountain Sheep uh, Association yeah. as well, right? In the yeah, British Wild Columbia Sheep Society, yeah. And that, yeah, Mountain Sheep Society. So they do uh, like it's all conservation land and, and protecting uh, mountain mountain or sheep <laughs> yeah, and stuff it's like all that. All to right? help the population, and uh, they they're doing a lot of work with like doing natural burns and trying to help like that with vegetation to keep the feed up and all that stuff. And um, they're doing uh, this is other there's like a disease that wild sheep can get that it comes from domestic animals. Okay. And it, it just annihilates them. So they're they're working on that and they're actually like going out with helicopters and tranking sheep and testing them for this disease. I'm, I don't know why I can't remember right now, but uh, they're testing for this disease because it actually just like obliterates the population of sheep. So they're, they're just a lot of boots on the ground. Oh, really? And they're hyper focused on just sheep in BC and helping their population grow, which is unreal. And they do a really good job. Is it, is it similar to like uh, CWD? In deer? Um, it's something that originated from like domestic sheep. So down in the lower mainland, like okay. um, there's a lot of areas where there's no sheep hunting. So the sheep come down into like farms and stuff like that and then go back up. And all in agriculture. Yeah, land. and then they end up affecting the the whole herd or other sheep and it just spreads. I don't know why I can't think of it right now, but um Oh shit. It's yeah. it's yeah, we had uh, we had an issue with that in Newfoundland with uh, with caribou. We had to uh, we actually had to stop the caribou hunt. I think it was for like two mm-hmm. years to uh, to let the herd come back and recover, yeah. right? Uh, because it was uh, I think it was a brainworm they were getting, and I think it was from uh, mixing with uh, livestock like cattle mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, they had a real problem with it. It was uh, it went through the herd like awful. Like it, I think it cut their numbers oh, in shit. half. That was with caribou. Uh, so we had to like, yeah, yeah, it was caribou. That was probably um, I was still a kid then. I think I was in my teens. So that was probably fifteen years ago or something. But uh, yeah, it really decimated them. It hit them real hard, and uh, we there was a lot of work went back in to help them recover and stuff like that. So. Kudos to them. I mean, it's good. Thank God for like those foundations and stuff like that that help out like wild yeah, game and, and uh, land conservation and stuff like that. They, they put a lot back. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. I don't think people. Yeah, I, I don't think people realize like how important those organizations mm-hmm. are. Uh, just to keep not only to hunters, but just for keeping like uh, public land public. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because I mean, most people would just. You know, if it wasn't for them, uh, I know they do like uh, a lot of places in the States now are like buying back land and making it public. I know like First Light has uh, a foundation for that as well. So all those things are big. Hopefully more people start donating and stuff like that. We do a big, I mean, hunters do a lot for for conservation, Mm -hmm. uh, more than I think people give them credit for. I think so. And everyone that's a part of the Wild Sheep Society is there for the same reason. It's all conservation and like all the proceeds go to conservation. They do huge raffles and, and, and stuff for like big guided hunts and equipment. And it all goes back right back into the wild sheep society. That's awesome. Well, I'll put a, I'll put a link in the description of this podcast. So if people want to donate, then they can go there and and, and donate some money to the person. You don't have to live in BC to become a member and to become a member for a year. It's uh, $60 for a wild sheep society member. And then you end up getting, Oh, and that's not bad. And that sixty bucks probably goes towards conservation, towards right? Conservation. Then you end up getting like a quarterly magazine awesome. in the mail that has like everything that they're doing, and then people write articles about different sheep hunts nice. and, and stuff like that. All their conservation uh, work that they're doing is all in that those magazines too. That's awesome. So when was the la- when was the last sheep hunt you went on? It would have been with Nathan. It was a it was kind of like yeah. The, the main goal was to go up there and get him a goat. But I had a sheep tag in my pocket. Yep. So if if the opportunity arise, like I was gonna shoot a sheep as well. But the the to get in there was so brutal. We were both kind of like 
I don't know if I want to pack two animals out of here. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I already got 115 pounds <laughs> on your back. You're like, ah, I don't think yeah, I, I like, want yeah, these guys Because a sheep, like a That's sheep, true. after you debone it with the cape and the meat, you're anywhere from like 100 to 140 pounds. So then you got to split that up between two right. guys or three guys or however many. Are. If there was another guy up there, uh, for sure we would have spent the rest of our time and uh, looked for another goat or a sheep. But I already have um, right. sheep hunts planned for this year. We're heading out early August and we're going for, for 10 days. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, so what, what's, what's entailed in a sheep? Like what's a legal sheep? So it has to be. Is there stipulations 100%. on that? Or? They have to be either full curl, which is when the horn passes okay. the bridge of the nose. Or they have to be yeah on one side or one both side. <laughs> if they're broomed off, then it doesn't count because some once they get older, they rub on rocks and stuff like that, and they'll actually broom their tips off. Um, and then, or they have to be right. eight years old, which there's annuli. And that's the exactly. annuli. Yeah, you got to count count those rings, and sometimes there's false ones, or you count it wrong. But as long as they're full curl, and or eight years old, then they're You're they're good. legal rams. And uh, it's it must be tough to count by annuli though. Oh yeah, you got to be close. You'd have to be pretty handy, even with a spot scope, to be accurate, <laughs> yeah, so right? What Buddy does, he uses a, a spotting scope with his phone scope, and then he'll sit there and take pictures. So that way we can like sit and just kind of okay study the ram and get a really good look at him and take our time. Right, you can be patient. Just zoom in, have a look at the at each annuli, and yeah. see and do a count and. You know, because it's, I think people don't understand is that you don't want to go chasing a sheep that might end up not being legal. Yeah. Because that's a lot of time wasted, <laughs> yeah, especially right? Especially when they're like kilometers away. And and a lot of work. Yeah. Like it's not that, I don't think people understand the, uh, how hard it is to get in there alone, let alone go and chasing sheep that you think might be Yeah. Legal. You need to definitely need good optics and uh, just do your... Do your yeah. schoolwork on learning how to age and, and judge how old they are with by the annuli. There's, right. there's certain uh, tips and tricks people have, and that's one thing with the Wild Sheep Society. They have they put on horn aging events all through BC. <clears throat> people can mm-hmm. go to that, and then the the head of like the guy who does the CI inspections at BC comes and teaches you how to properly age sheep. And what to look for and stuff like that. And what's false annuli, what's real annuli. That's yeah, awesome. so they do a lot of work with that. Yeah. But I personally haven't shot a sheep yet or a mountain goat either. Okay. <laughs> but uh, um, hopefully this year, we'll, we'll see. Maybe a, I'll get a goat at least, not a sheep. But <laughs> Maybe I'll have both. You might tag out too, man. No, it'd be your year, uh, you know. The goat or the sheep hunt we're going on. You never it's know. Me and a buddy. And his uh, uncle, his uncle's in his 50s, and he's never shot a ram. So we're basically going to drag him up the mountain yep. and try and get him his first sheep. If, And then me yeah. and Buddy will rock, paper, scissors for another one or something. Do what you got to do after. Yeah, you get him to get him to tag it first, and then you guys will that's, fight over it afterwards. Plan, yeah. So when, when you're hitting the mountain, like I know you were saying you had, you had a sheep tag and a mountain goat yeah. tag. Uh, when you went in with Nathan, your your what caliber rifle are you going to to cover all your bases? Like you're going in there, what are you grabbing at the safe? I personally use a 270 Win. I I to me I think yep. it's like such a well rounded gun. It shoots super flat, and it I use it from shooting mm-hmm. Sitka deer in the Charlottes all the way up to moose, and it's done done me very well. And I yeah. I love that thing. And uh, Nathan was shooting a. A 280 yeah. Ackley, and that that thing yeah. pounded pretty good. But I, I, for me personally, I love my yeah. 270. Yeah, you're a man after my own heart in that regard because I'm not a big like most guys get like they're like oh you know 300 Win Mag or or, or seven millimeter, and I'm I'm one of those guys. I'm like I don't think you need those giant calibers as much as people think they do. Like I'm a, I'm 308. 6.5 creed more now I, I really like that gun uh but 270 man it'll get the job done for so much oh, yeah. stuff like you, you really don't need to step into those giant calibers yeah. you know <clears throat> I, 
I don't think the only animal yeah, in BC that there's regulations on for uh, what type of what size of gun you need was um, it's for hunting bison. You have to have a minimum of like a thirty right. cal, and it's got to have one hundred and eighty grain at this many joules, and yada yada yada. That's the only animal there's right. regulations Which- on. Yeah, which makes sense because that's a heavy, heavy, large yeah. animal with some pretty thick yeah. hide. Like it's not, that's even, people think moose hide are th- is thick. A bison is light years yeah, ahead. I shot mine and it they don't even go through. Like it goes in and then that's it. <clears throat> I, was, I was using a 30 wow. six with a 180 and like it's, yeah, it didn't, no, none of the shots went through it. That's crazy, mm. man. That's a big. That's a pretty large caliber rifle too. Like a thirty out six carries some. Yeah, pretty good clout. We were. Like, it was no joke. pretty. That's pretty impressive. close quarters though. Like the first shot was only fifty yards, and then the other ones were, were even closer. But um, about fifty yards. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> Shit, that is that is handy, man. For but, sure. But, do you get do you mess around with bow hunting much, or are you you strictly my, rifle? I do own a bow. I got a PSE Stinger. Um, my first nice. ever moose was with a bow. And then I had a buddy, had a couple drinks, and he drew my bow and blew the strings off. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how it always goes, I, I haven't too, man. touched it since. <laughs> Every time. But yeah. Let- <laughs> Every time. I had a buddy dry fired one of my bows, too, man. He just picked it up like. Just came in and he's like, he's looking at it, picks it up, draws it. And before I can get the words out of my mouth, he just lets me, you're like, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh, the cams were bent over. <sighs> and it's, well, yeah, that's the, it. There's there we one, go. We don't have any like pro archery shops here or anything like that. But there's, there's one guy here who kind of does it out of his house. And I want to bring it there so he can like make sure my limbs aren't screwed or the cams are bent or, but. I just yeah if uh, I actually I'll tell you a, a real quick trick if you want get a cotton yeah. ball and rub it over your limbs if it doesn't hook your limbs okay. are good yeah that's a good trick <laughs> because there, there'll be little micro fractures in the mm-hmm. limbs and that that cotton ball it'll hook any tiny imperfection in okay. that limb yeah I'm so if it doesn't hook your limbs are okay but you might need <laughs> yeah. cams or, or idler wheels whatever uh, whatever I think a PSE has an idler if... wheel on it and a can and a can if it uh if it ends up being screwed up i'll probably just end up buying a different bow or buying a new bow because it's pretty old but. there's there's lots of them out there man <laughs> true you can spend a fortune too if you want to you can get, you can get pretty out of hand yeah. nowadays with bows man i think uh, a lot of them are up around uh man some of them are you know 1700 bucks now for an just aluminum for the bow too right and that's not even that's just the bow man that's not even sight stabilizers any of that stuff like it's they're more expensive than firearms now yeah but by by a couple hundred bucks for sure depending obviously depending on what you're Mm -hmm. doing right or or what what brand you're buying but yeah man they you can get uh pretty deep i think one of my setups ended up being like i think i'm 4500 bucks deep now (laughs) <laughs> it's just fucking crazy man at the end of the day when you really do, think about it you're like oh do you guys God. have strictly like archery seasons so there is that do you have that or like is it rifle and then you we, we do on whitetail so yeah basically uh whitetail season starts uh in october mm-hmm. and uh you can hunt with a bow all up till december 31st but there's one week in there where there's rifle and muzzleloader yeah. season uh, so if you if you're hunting here uh, in Ontario, you, you really kind of want to go with a bow because it gives you such a longer season. You just the opportunities to be out there are way more, yeah. uh, and the areas that you can hunt are, are far better, right? Because if you live down around like where I live in Guelph right now, there's not really any places where you can rifle hunt. It's too densely populated, right? So you get like these little patches of public mm-hmm. land in between a bunch of farmers' fields. That you can hunt right but obviously you can't be shooting a rifle in there because that could carry on if you miss for forever right uh so bow, bow season is is pretty big around here a lot of got there's more bow hunters here than i've seen in a lot of places uh especially like in newfoundland there's almost none 
because we, we have so much public land we're almost like you guys right like you guys have oh yeah it's, it's unreal yeah like, yeah british columbia is not you're not really that populated outside of vancouver yeah. once you start going north you guys have so yeah, much. i think like the, it's amazing. all the lower mainland is where most of the people live and then once you head north there's like prince george there's like seventy-five thousand mm. people there maybe and then like where i'm at there's 1500 right. people and then there's another town like 15 kilometers away and there's like 5,000 or 7,000. That's it. That's per. That's the best way to have it. You don't need any more than 5,000. No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> just any more than that is too many, man. I grew up in this, like a small town. It's like 5,000 people in Newfoundland. I was like, this yeah. is enough. You don't need any more than this. This is tons. I know everybody, I know most people and yeah. we're good. Any more than that is getting a little out of hand, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm good with the uh, small town. Yeah, Ontario is hard, man, to get get any public land unless you go north. Like if you go north far enough, obviously everything up there is public land because there is nothing mm-hmm. there. Like it's so big up there, man. It's it's amazing, right? But uh, if you you got to drive eight hours to mm-hmm. get there, right? That's a long drive, though. So that's a long beat, yeah, yeah for sure. But we we've got a bear camp uh, set up for this year, which is going to be good. So we're going to be chasing black bear this Perfect. spring. And then obviously whitetail, some spring turkey, stuff like that. And I'm hoping, so I'm putting in for uh, for elk tags mm-hmm. here. Uh, unfortunately, there's only a real small location where you can hunt elk here. And there's about 2,200 applicants a year, and they issue 20 tags. Oh, <laughs> so, so your likelihood of getting an elk tag here is like once in a lifetime, basically, so it, more or less. Is right? there no like over-the-counter for elk or moose at all in ontario nothing nothing everything's a draw even deer the only thing that's like similar to over the counter would be like our white tail tags you just buy them yeah. online at same with bear tags obviously you just buy them online and, and mm-hmm. that's it right but what about elk tags out your way how does that work there are you are they over the counter or do you where, enter a draw? where i live specifically it's leh and they only give out like i think there's only 12 tags a year um, but if you were to drive four hours from here, you can get into areas where it's like three point or bigger and it's over the counter. Like anyone can do it. Okay. Um, there's, and if you go even further north than that, then there's more elk up there and it's the same thing, like three points or bigger. Um, and there's even cow elk over the counter spots too. Mm. Wow. So you, you guys judge your your tags by the area of the province yeah, that like you're how in. populated they you are you don't just blanket it with one one no. thing right so you can go to a heavily populated area and buy a set of tags yeah like i could buy a bull elk tag and it's good for the entire province um and then i just have to go to the proper yep. area where they're open and hunt hunt the elk um and same with cow elk that's a that's a great mm-hmm. system it works good like when it's, I'm surprised most provinces don't adopt that. It's some people like it, some people hate it. Um, it has its pros mm. and cons, but I, for me personally, it's been right. good to me, and I like it. <laughs> Same with our LEH system and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I find that's like uh, that's with everybody, right? Like some people disagree with how how tags are issued here and there, and they don't like the over the counter thing. They'd rather a draw and yeah. all that stuff, but. Uh, I mean, it, it's really, it should be just population based, right? If it, if it needs it or can support the hunt, then it should be allowed. And if not, then you just, you don't 100%. do it. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, like there's, there's, they, they do a good job of like, they look at that mountain, they say, okay, that, that mountain can withstand a thousand elk mm-hmm. any more than that. And you're going to get uh, feed problems. You're going to get disease. You're going to get whatever. For a healthy population, it can home a thousand. So you issue ten tags for that area or twenty tags for that area, just to keep that population in check, right? So that they stay healthy and strong that's the whole right, time. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean that that's the the best idea, you know, or that like that's the hope that it works yeah. that way. And like at the end of the year, um, for sure, we all get to do like a survey that gets sent in, and it you say like what animals you shot mm. where you shot them and stuff like that so they can try to keep an eye on the population without physically going out um but like there's right 
there's certain animals that you have to get inspected after you harvest them. You got like 30 days with, and, but it's in certain, certain okay. regions. Like for where I'm at now, they never used to do it, but they've done it for the last two years is if you go and harvest a moose, you have to bring it in, tell them where you shot it and get it inspected because they're keeping an eye on the population. And then that will change how many tags they issue for their limited entry every year. So like if everyone goes out and fills all their tags, right. they see a decline in population, then they're only going to give out a certain amount the next year, right? So many next year. And you, I'm sure in that like questionnaire, there's like, you know, how many days did you hunt? How many elk did you see? How many bulls versus cows? Like all that no, stuff as well. they just want to know what you shot and where you shot it. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's it, hey? They just want to know what you what just what you harvested, yeah. and that's it. Like when we brought in Nathan's goat for its inspection, they just they check, they make sure that you had brought your gender identification with you. Uh, they pull a tooth out, they mm-hmm. check its age and all that stuff, and you just put a pin on Google Maps for them, and then that's it. They don't ask you anything else. Wow, no kidding, eh? We, uh, back in Newfoundland, we send like, uh, for moose, we have, they like you to send in the job, the lower jawbone. Uh, just, I think they do like testing on it to make sure, like check the health of the animal and how things are are going and stuff like that. But we, there's no reports back there. Hey, like how many moose we saw or anything like that. You don't write in how many you are or, uh, where you harvested or anything like that. We're pretty nonchalant in Newfoundland. They just kind of like, yeah, you shot one. It's all good. We have too many anyway, so don't worry about it. It's all good. Uh, but here it's, it's quite the, the, the opposite case. Like you fill out your deer report. It's like, where did you hunt? How many days did you hunt? What did you see? Does, bucks, all that stuff. Turkeys are the mm-hmm. same way. They want you to fill out a report. I think that's that better. Stuff, so. Like they should be doing Which that. is good. I mean, I get it if it if it helps them. Yeah, if it helps them uh, keep the population healthy and all that stuff, then I'm 100%. all for it. It only takes five minutes. Yeah. Why not, right? Big time. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'll, I'll let you go. I appreciate you doing this. Thanks so much. We're, uh, we're kicking up on an hour there now. Uh, why don't you let the folks know where they can find you on uh, on Instagram and all that stuff and uh, your social media? Yeah, accounts. so I got my Instagram is brandon.roth.hnh.bc. <laughs> and then uh, I have a little YouTube channel, it's Hunt and Harvest BC, and got some videos and stuff on there. Um, and that's that's pretty well it, man. That's me. Awesome. Okay, man. Thanks for doing this. All right, folks. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later.